coming in as Lou Millenbeck centered it. Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway this hour. It is Thursday, September 28th with Wes. I'm Pat, and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just $1450, or explore the full line of safes at Calgary Lock and Safe. Com. Of course, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, lots to dive into this hour. Just uh, if, if you're just joining us or if you're just hitting play on your uh, on your podcast player, uh, we, we are definitely doing this hour and the last few days under some pretty somber circumstances. So I just wanted to make sure that we start the hour with that acknowledgement. And uh, this was from Kelsey Snow from early Thursday morning, we uh, obviously know what she um, updated us on Wednesday morning and uh, this from Thursday. Tess yesterday confirmed that Chris will not wake up. In life, Chris offered his body to a clinical trial to help others. In death, he'll do the same. He remains on life support while organ donation is arranged. We're so proud of him. That's from Kelsey earlier on this Thursday. So once again, uh, Wes and me and Flames Talk and this station will hold off the uh, in memoriam for the time being. And um, yeah, it's just uh, just with respect to everything that's going on when the time is right, we'll go down that road. The time's not right as of right now, but uh, there will definitely be that time if if we do end up needing to go down that road for sure. Yeah, and and you know what? Let's maybe share one thing in, in case anyone, um, you know, has been thinking, and I know lots of people have been thinking about Kelsey and about their two young children and obviously about Chris. There is a, a GoFundMe set up to support yes. the family, um, you know, to support the family financially with whatever comes next and and what that's going to look like and so if you feel so inclined uh, I would certainly encourage you to search that out um, if, if that's a way that you can perhaps help to support the snow family uh, just a, I guess a heads up that is there and uh, I I, uh, I know I definitely popped that onto my uh, Twitter or X timeline and uh, many others have so Pretty easy to uh, pretty easy to go find if if you are um, interested or so inclined as well. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, we're talking, you know, about a person in in Chris and a family that has, you know, devoted so much uh, of the past few years to really trying to help others in in the long term. And uh, I think this is a way that, you know, people can pay it back a little bit. This family is going to need some help, and and you can find that link to do that there. So wanted to make sure we acknowledge that off the top of the hour. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local, find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Uh, And one thing we didn't get a chance to go in-depth in or on with all of what was happening on Wednesday was the really bad news on Jacob Pelche as well. Um, 
a shoulder injury sustained Monday in that collision with Seattle's Marion Studenich and now an indefinite timeline for Jacob Pelche. So here's the situation. We don't know the length of his recovery because he hasn't had the surgery as of yet. So until he's had the surgery and they see how the surgery goes, they can't give out an accurate or even close to accurate timeline. Um, I believe it's a dislocated shoulder, so there's a surgery that needs to be done. As Craig told us on Wednesday's show, Craig Conroy, he really wanted to try to play through it, and was there? They're like, no, no, let's get the surgery. You'll heal fast. You're a young guy. You'll heal fast, and you'll be in a much better place. So let's do that now. It's still training camp, and you'll be able to get back and play this season. And, And more important than healing fast is healing full. This is, you know, a 22-year-old player with a a bright future, a guy that the Calgary Flames very much expect to be a a guy who can make a difference for them as the season wears on. But to start a season with a significant injury and and try to tough it out for the remainder of the season, it it just wouldn't make any sense. And, And so regardless of how long it takes for Jacob Pelche to be back practicing and, and cleared for contact and all that stuff, the team and Craig Conroy was adamant about this part yesterday. They want to make sure this thing gets fully healed. Exactly. And, and he'll be back this season. He'll still have an opportunity to be an impact maker on the flames. He'll still have an opportunity to be a full-time NHLer. Unfortunately, it will not be a full season, and unfortunately, he'll have to work his way back into game speed, so might be behind the eight ball a little bit once he gets back. But he'll still have a chance to be a big part of this team. He'll still have a chance to really solidify what he is going forward, and and I he'll still have that opportunity to bring all those things the Flames are excited about, the energy, the speed, the two-way play, maybe a little of offensive pop. But in saying all that, Tough blow. It's a it's tough yeah. for the team because they had him penciled in as a top twelve forward on this team, and obviously tough for the player. Who earlier this week we talked about just how on Monday how much more comfortable he was and how much more like himself he felt at this camp as opposed to prior camps. And you know it's probably worth noting we've seen Jacob Pelche at Winsport the past two days, and there's no obligation necessarily for an injured player to be around practice. Sometimes, you know, the scheduling might be different. Some Sometimes, especially in the early stages, they're bummed out and don't want to go see everyone else practicing when they can't. It probably won't surprise anybody, given the positivity that we all know Jacob Pelche brings to the table, that he's already hanging around the rink. You know, if there's one player who's going to find a way to put a positive spin on missing what we presume is months with a shoulder injury. It might be this kid, right? Yep. yep. Probably not even probably, but 100% is I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, this was Ryan Huska, by the way, he spoke about Jacob on Thursday morning. We have to do what's best for him. And he was in a position this year where I know I said last night, he, he was going to make our team. Um, because of what he brings to the table, his his skill set, the energy that he brings, his ability to play up and down your lineup. Um, so it's really unfortunate that he had the injury um, that he had. But our job now is to, is to make sure we support him in his recovery, so we can help him get back 
as soon as possible. So he'll go through all the steps along the way, and then when he's getting closer, um, we'll work closely with him as well. Um, and of course, you stay in touch with your players along the way. Like guys are giving it to him today already about getting back. So it's it's one of those things, unfortunately, that players have to deal with. You didn't like to see him have to deal with it. You know, from something in the exhibition season, but it is what it is. Now his challenge is to make sure uh, he's focused on getting better. And if he has the right mindset, he'll be back sooner than later. And I think we can all agree he probably will have the right mindset. And and even even talking to a couple people around the Flames over the last 24 hours or so, it's like, yeah, he's young and he's very well conditioned. And look, high-level athletes, of which he is one, heal quicker than Pat and Wes and you. Um, the and, and the younger you are as a highly conditioned athlete, a lot of times the quicker you heal. So you go uh, you go on to old uh, Dr. WebMD and it'll give you a timeline for recovery and usually the NHL athlete or NFL athlete or whatever, their timeline's usually much quicker than that because these are these are as close to superhumans as you get. So yeah. um so He'll play this year. He might play in the calendar year 2023. It's just not going to be in the month of September anymore or likely the month of October either. Yeah, I think that's pretty uh, safe. You're not undergoing shoulder surgery and playing next month. Okay. And and that's, that's... It's too bad, and I'm curious what the final timeline ends up being like, but it does open a door for potentially numerous other players. And uh, that's not even potentially. It, it does open the door for a, a group of other players to be on this opening night roster and maybe be in the opening night lineup. Hell, Ryan Huska just said it. He was on our team and he was going to be in the opening night lineup. I think we all can be pretty certain of that. So there's a door open for somebody who was not penciled in or penned into the opening night roster to be on there. And so They'll get a little LTIR benefit with him if they go that route off the top of the season. We'll see what way Craig wants to handle that. But you and I were at practice on Thursday, and we were kind of, the the first group was on the ice. They did not run lines because it was an all-power play and penalty kill practice or some other specialty situation mm-hmm. practice. And But we kind of were able to put together the lines based on what we, we've seen we were, and who was on the ice. We were taking attendance. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. And so, correct me if I'm wrong, the lines that we came together with, top nine, Huberdeau, Lindholm, Sharon Govich, Ruzichka, Kadri, Dubé, Manjapani, Backlund, Coleman. So, and I'm sure that those will be juggled up for preseason games here, but if we assume those are three lines the Flames are looking at right now, that's nine forwards, and there were four others on the ice this morning in what you would call the main group, if you will. Those four forwards were Walker Dewar, Kevin Rooney, Matt Coronado, and Dryden Hunt. Which brings up an interesting conversation. If you're looking to put together a fourth line right now, or if you're looking to put together the additional forwards on this team, if you know the nine are set, Pelche's not going to be a part of it, will those four make you 13 for cap reasons, they may want to go 13, or they might not put Pelche on LTIR, which means 14 is about as high as you're going to go. So it starts to maybe 
dwindle down the options or maybe it focuses the conversation about this roster and about the way they're looking at the lineup for the time being. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you start to see the full-time regulars, when you start to see all the big names in the same group, you're always taking note of which of the on the bubble boys are joining them. And that was probably the biggest news to come out of practice today is um, I don't think that the battle for those spots on the fourth line is necessarily limited to those four. And and uh, I'll say Walker Dewar for me is a lock. There's two jobs on the fourth line available and Walker Dewar is going to be on the right side of that line. You know, I think Connor Zary is still very much in that mix. I think Adam Klapka is still very much in that mix. But if you want to say that the three on the ice today in Coronado Rooney and Dryden Hunt are the front runners for those available jobs. I think just based on the groupings, that's absolutely fair. And then where, where, so like where, where does Coronado fit in that conversation? Well, is that the, is, is Adam Rizicka the fly in the ointment there? Yeah. And he's had a really good camp. I I've, I, I will give a green check mark so far to Adam Rizic because I know that the Flames and Adam care about my check mark. But I, 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 I think he's had a really good camp. I think he's been really strong. Yeah, and I know last night in Winnipeg they had him working at center again. You know, they're they're gonna fiddle with Adam Rizic on the left wing, Adam Rizic at center. Where does he fit best? But that is probably that is probably fair to say at this point that if Matt Coronado is going to get a job in the top nine. And I really don't think, and this is maybe a conversation for another day, I really don't think it makes any sense for Matt Coronado to be playing as a fourth liner at this point in his career. I'd rather see him playing on the power play with the Wranglers. But if Matt Coronado is going to start this season in a top nine role with the Calgary Flames, it's at the expense of Adam Ruzicka. He's got to go take his spot. Kind of feels that way right now. Yep, that's the way, it, at least it's it's shaped up, which then, if that's the case, because I'm with you, I don't know if a fourth line role, unless you're going with like a Ruzicka, Coronado, Pelche fourth line, which obviously you can't do right now, doesn't make a lot of sense for Coronado to be in that fourth line role, whereas guys like Rooney or Hunt, in this conversation, make a doer make, make a whole lot more sense in terms of what they bring to the table. Yeah, and especially with Walker Doer, who I believe is a lock to be on the fourth line, being a right-handed shot. Mm-hmm. I, there's just it's a you know it's the old square peg round hole. I think for Matt Coronado at this point in his career to be trying to play the off wing or to be shifting someone to the off wing so he can play fourth line minutes. There's some intriguing names there. You know, Dryden Hunt is a guy that I've been curious about. I I had a great chat with him uh, a few days ago. And one of the things I said is, hey, it doesn't feel like anyone is giving you any attention. This was, you know, before he'd scored in back-to-back preseason games. I said, you know, like, nope, nobody seems to be mentioning your name. And he got this big grin on his face. And kind of said, yeah, it's awesome. I'm the underdog. And and he said there was a point earlier in his career with the New York Rangers that he went to camp and no one was talking about him and he made the team. And he was quick to caution, that doesn't mean I'm going to make this team. But 
I kind of know what I have to do yeah. to put myself on the radar. So, well, and, and I think he has put himself on the radar so far in this camp. You mentioned back-to-back games he scored in in the preseason. He's just looked good. I remember talking to Ryan Huska prior to one of the more recent games. I think it was prior to Monday's game at home, and he said, really liked uh, what I've seen from Dryden Hunt so far when when talking. He's like, I don't know if I consider him a young guy, but I've really liked him as a bubble guy, uh, really pointed him out as a player he's liked so far. 27 years old. Not, not old. Necessarily, you know, not a prospect, but we're talking about a guy with 200 games of NHL experience. And so especially let's say you throw a Connor Zary in the mix. Like if you're looking at Connor Zary and Walker Dewar, well, they've got about 30 games of NHL experience between them. Not even that many, actually it would be 28. So suddenly 200 games of NHL experience on the opposite wing is not insignificant. I think the other really important thing, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit more with the next guy we talk about, but Dryden Hunt signed a two-way deal that pays the league minimum at the NHL level. And the fact that that contract isn't cumbersome also is going to work in his favor. Absolutely. Well, and a guy that he has a lot of familiarity with and has been on a line with in a few preseason games here is Kevin Rooney. And, and Rooney was signed last summer brought in to kind of play a bottom six role, started that way, but for whatever reason, wasn't on the same page with Daryl Sutter. Uh, Daryl didn't seem to be a big fan, and it uh, was healthy scratched a lot, and then got sent to the Calgary Wranglers for the second half of the season and and played there the rest of the year. was a big part of their playoff run and, and a big part of them finishing on top of the American Hockey League. But Kevin Rooney was signed here to play a regular role, and he's on a one-way contract that pays him just a smidge over a million bucks per year. So they ideally, you don't want a guy with a seven-figure contract playing in the American League on a one on a one-way deal. And I think that Kevin Rooney, who we had on post game after the Winnipeg game on Wednesday, he talked about how this is a real fresh start, and he's like, yeah, I'm 30. Everybody's talking about going young, but I'm young too. Um, and, and he was joking, but he's like, don't count me out in this whole thing because he feels like he's got a fresh start, so he's factored into, the, into this thing too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm really curious to see what the Flames decide to do with that contract. Obviously, Kevin Rooney is going to do his best and I, I think has has started to put a really good foot forward in terms of changing their mind or... or I guess forcing them to keep him at the NHL level, but $1.3 million on your fourth line can get tricky with the salary cap. And I think if Oliver Shillington isn't able to start the season with the Calgary flames, and we haven't seen him at training camp yet, maybe their cap crunch that we were talking about is not what we thought it was going to be. But one thing Kevin Rooney is competing with is the fact that the other candidates to be on the fourth line are going to make $500,000 less than he is against the salary cap. And I think that's why he's going to have to outperform those guys. I I think as much as you don't want to be paying a guy $1.3 million in the minors, under the salary cap, the tie might go to the guy making the league minimum. 
Let's hear from Kevin Rooney. I spoke with him after practice on Thursday. Seems like he's um, he's got a good mindset coming into this year. He's excited about some opportunity that might be there for the taking, and he's got a he's got a good history with Dryden Hunt, which I wonder if it plays into the conversation as well. First of all, I wanted to expand on you and Dryden. So you uh, you've known him for a while. You've played with him. A while, like Rangers, right? You and him have a spent a good chunk of time in New York together. Yeah, we did. Yeah, um, um, he came over my second year, um, I think from Florida um, to New York, and uh, training camp they put us together with uh, Ryan Reeves, and we developed a little chemistry. I thought it was a, a good line with a lot of different elements to it. And then um, you know he was playing really well and got promoted and started playing with Panarin, so. That's when I started giving him a hard time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we got reunited uh, with the Wranglers last year and then obviously in training camp this year. And pretty instant chemistry and just back to normal with you playing with him here at camp again? Yeah, it's nice to play with someone you're familiar with. And off the ice, we're uh, very good friends too. So that makes it a lot easy, easier, um, you know, playing together. And he's just really good player. Um, he's got all the skill you know, to play in the National Hockey League. Um, I'm just trying to compliment him and, you know, make his life easier so he doesn't have to play as much defense and try to get him the puck in the offensive zone. The, uh, to, to have a line that you have chemistry with in training camp almost right off the bat, how, how much of an advantage is that? How nice is that? Because a lot of times you're different lines and trying to get to know different players. How nice is it to have that right off the bat? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, when, once they put us together for that first game, I was really excited because I knew what Dryden was all about. And then uh, Siona's been a great player too. I've been really liking playing with him because he's a predictable player. Um, he's a young kid. He's still learning, and I think he's going to be a tremendous pro. So I think it's been an easy line for me to gel with, and I think the coaches have uh, obviously trusted us a little bit, and hopefully they can uh, keep putting us together. When we talked to you after the win in uh, the win in Winnipeg, you talked about how this year is you're feeling like a fresh start. Can you kind of expand on that and how everything is feeling this year in camp after last season? Yeah, I think it's just a lot more comfortable. Last year coming in, I was kind of one of the only newer guys on the team and didn't maybe feel as comfortable in camp. And I think that showed in my play. And this year I'm a lot more comfortable around the guys. Um, I know the guys from the Flames and the Wranglers. So... Um, it's easier for me to come to the rink every year, uh, uh, every day, and I've just been really enjoying it. I made some changes to how I did things in the off season. I think, you know, early on I've seen improvements, but you know, this is a long season. Got to be consistent and uh, keep bringing that energy every day. What what type of changes did you make? What uh, went into this off season that was different? I changed up a lot of the things I did with my workouts, um, and then I focused on a lot more skill work off the ice. I felt like. You know, there were games I played really well last year and I wasn't rewarded on the stat sheet. And, you know, to stay in this league, you got to produce. So, um, you know, I found a new skills coach uh, out in California that I worked with. So I'm hoping that uh, pays off, whether that's, you know, create more chances for myself. And I think, you know, not worrying about puck going in the net, but just creating, getting getting myself in spots where, you know, I'm getting more chances. And I think if I do that, then the puck will go in the net. Is, uh, is that something that you can see instant results on? Like, have you, you said you kind of have, have seen results early on. How, how can you gauge whether or not that's working? Uh, I think just the comf- comfortability. I feel like I've put the work in. Now I feel confident to go out and do it. I think there was a you know, play last game where it was 4-on-4, four four and I kind of held on to the puck longer than I normally would have in the past, I think. And I think just the little things like that, and, you know, we ended up scoring on the play. But... You know, it's just little things like that where you feel more confident with the puck, and I, I know I got to hold on to that puck down low a lot more. Last year, it was you know diverting and passing the puck a lot more, 
Um, this year, I want to be a guy that's hard on the puck and taking pucks to the net and you know being really difficult to play against in that regard too. When you when you take a look at this camp roster and what's up for grabs, it, it sure does feel like there are numerous spots open. You've you've been to a lot of NHL training camps. Was that still energize you seeing that? Hey, like there, there's there's a real good opportunity to start the year in the NHL, be in the NHL all year. Yeah, and I, obviously I joked with you last night about being young still, and yeah. I, I really feel that way. I, I I really feel fresh coming into the season. Um, you know, I'm I'm really excited that there's opportunity. Everyone's kind of hoping for that coming in his training camp, uh, especially coming off the year I had. So um, yeah, definitely have a lot of energy, a lot left in the tank, and you know feel. You know, kind of better than ever right now. You uh, and and yet when and I know that it didn't go exactly the way you wanted last year, but everybody raved about your attitude with the Wranglers. How much did you embrace, even though it wasn't exactly where you wanted to be level wise? Embrace being a leader down there and and being a good teammate with them. Yeah, I loved it. I honestly. I thought it was great because the guys welcomed me, you know, right away, right from the start. And they have such a good group down there. The team was really good, so it made it easy to come to the rink when you were winning hockey games. And um, I think Lover really pushed me hard to, you know, get back to this level because he, he firmly believed I, I was an NHL player. So uh, credit to him for, you know, keep pushing me throughout the season. And I thought I got better as the year went on. Like, I was disappointed a little bit at first, and maybe I didn't show it. But as the season went along, I thought I got really a lot better. And you know, kind of put myself in a good spot going in the summer. And, um, yeah, now I, here I am feeling a lot more confident this year. And most importantly, doesn't doesn't feel like you – still feels like you feel like, yeah, absolutely, you're a full-time NHLer, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I even felt that last year. And, you know, but you play 17 games and you only have one assist. It's it's tough to say that. So, But I felt like as far as my play went, I was, I was right there. So – um, you know, hopefully I get an opportunity this year and I can contribute a little bit more, maybe get some more time on the penalty kill. That's something I've been really focusing on this year. And usually when I'm on the penalty kill, I'm into the game a little bit more. And uh, maybe you're playing two extra minutes a night. And I think that goes a long way. So, um, you know, that's one of the things I've been focusing on a lot in the camp here, too. There you go. Kevin Rooney had a chance to chat with him a little earlier on this Thursday. Seems like he's in a good headspace here. And I just, they're looking for a fourth line with some instant chemistry. Dryden Hunt and he have it. They signed him to be a part of this and to be a regular in the NHL. They might have some cap relief with Pelche to make it a little easier. Just doors wide open for Kevin Rooney as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let me uh, let me share two things on Kevin Rooney, uh, an anecdote, and then sort of a, a thought on something that might give him the edge on earning that fourth-line center job. I've always thought it was really neat because we know that Kevin Rooney and Daryl Sutter just didn't work out it did not click i uh i thought it was really neat ever since i first heard that the day that kevin rooney got sent down to the minors he got a text from daryl's son brett welcoming him telling him he you know heard great things about the type of guy he was and saying hey come down to the minors and work your butt off and let's get you back to the nhl and and we've been talking on end about leadership. I just think that's such a a telling anecdote about Calgary Wranglers captain Brett Sutter. And then the, I guess, point I wanted to make about why Kevin Rooney might have the inside track on that fourth line center job. I've been asking a bunch of players, mostly defensemen over the past few days about, you know, the switch to a more zone style defensive system and what that might sort of mean and who it puts more pressure on. And the one thing I've heard over and over is that the 
Thenerman are going to be way more involved in the Flames' defensive strategy than they maybe were a year ago. That that I guess maybe not no, more involved, but that this strategy, this system relies so heavily on your pivots. And I'm really curious if a guy who has 227 games of NHL experience, like Kevin Rooney, has a little bit of a leg up on the other. Yeah on the other guys in that competition because the coaches might feel like he can be trusted a little bit more with those defensive duties. It's going to be an interesting battle to watch as we continue on. We're halfway through the preseason. Four more games to go, including Friday's home game against the Edmonton Oilers. That's your look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Daily Flames around table time as we continue along this hour with Wes. I'm Pat now. Derek Wills joins us, the voice of the Flames, as we continue the uh, conversations we've been having this hour. You know, we talked a lot this hour, Willsy, about Jacob Pelche and, and kind of spent the most part of that talking about well, Jacob was going to be penned into the opening day roster, opening day lineup. Ryan Huska admitted as much when he spoke with us Thursday morning. And it gets you thinking about who does the door open for? And I guess that's one of the ways we can go in this conversation, but I'll just throw it out there. Jacob Pelche out indefinitely, shoulder injury. We don't know when he's back. How does this impact the Flames opening night roster for you? Well, it leaves a hole for sure. As Ryan Huska said, uh, he was going to be on the team. And I don't think any of us really questioned that. So I guess the question is, who's going to fill in for him? And I don't look at this absence as being a days-long one or a weeks-long one. I think it's probably going to be a months-long one. So it's going to be a while before we see Jacob Pelletier back on the ice and playing in a game again. So I guess the first three guys that come to mind for me because Jacob Pelche is a left winger, uh, Adam Ruzitska, who we've seen play on the wing. And as we did last night, play at center so far in the preseason, uh, Dryden hunt. I heard you guys just talking about him. He's had a really strong start to the preseason and he's youngish, but he's also got some NHL experience, spent almost half of last season playing in the NHL. So I think that's a, a check mark for him. And then I would say Connor's area as well. Another left winger who I think had a strong start to the preseason. So those would be the three guys at the top of my list as potentially a direct replacement for Jacob Pelche. But I also wonder about uh, that uh, fourth line center spot. And I heard you guys just talking about Kevin Rooney. And the Flames are lucky that they have so many guys who can play at least two, if not three, four positions. So you can try some guys in different spots and, and shuffle guys around. But, you know, Kevin Rooney for whatever reason, and I'm not saying that he was in the wrong or Daryl Sutter was in the wrong, but he wound up in the head coach's doghouse last season. You know, he played uh, less than a quarter of the season, got sent down, and we never saw him again. But, you know, he's in the second year of a two-year contract that pays him over a million dollars a season. You can bury that in the AHL, but I think you'd rather have that in the NHL. So I, I, I think those four guys, for me, are guys who could potentially benefit from Jacob Pelche's uh, injury, which... Uh, as you guys have talked about, it's really too bad because the guy is so full of vim and vigor, and I was so anxious to see him 
burst out of the scene as a full-time NHLer to see what he could do both on and off the ice. And now we're going to have to press pause on that. I, I think, you know, going back, we, we've sort of been assuming that Jacob Pelche would be on the roster. And as Pat you know, said, Ryan Huska basically confirmed as much. And, and so with that door cracked open and Derek, you did a nice job of recapping or, or kind of laying out who the candidates would be. I'm really curious who might be able to sort of step in and fill some of that energy that they were counting on Jacob Pelche to provide. Like I, I, I don't think anyone is going to be like Pelche behind the scenes. They don't have another kind of chatter box like Jacob is, but I'm really curious to see, okay, can, can Dryden hunt be a guy who is just relentless on the check can he hound pucks for them can he bring that energy to the fourth line is Connor Zary a guy who might be capable of doing that is it his game totally I don't think so but you, you always talk about pace with with Connor Zary is that his best when he's really moving so can he look at that opportunity say geez what set my old roommate Jacob Pelche apart it's that energy I, I'm really curious now that I, I guess the, the flag has sort of dropped on this race. Like, okay, we know Jacob Pelche is out. Start your engines. I'm really curious who can step up and provide that energy part of it. Well, and here's the other here's the other part of part of this conversation, guys, because there's there's the players who could step in for Jacob. Absolutely. And then there's also I, I think the Flames were counting on Jacob to be a, a source of energy, um, be a guy that could give them a little bit more speed and add a little bit more pace to their lineup, which is a big part of what they're stressing at this year's camp. And just with his demeanor and the way that he was talking coming into this season, we all made note of it on Monday. You know, I it, it seemed like he was ready to take a step because he was feeling more comfortable. And so now a chance at some potential secondary offense is is no longer there for you. You've lost what I think everybody was looking at, and most importantly, what the Flames were looking at as a regular middle six winger. They, they've lost that. So I, I think, and this is not a knock on, on anybody who steps up, but it's like, yeah, not having Pelche, that makes them a less effective team than they were hoping to be because they were really looking at him to be a, an effective part of their lineup. And that's the other part of that is that, you know, you're, you're going to lose some pace. You're going to lose some energy in that lineup. It's the one thing I remember, Derek, going back to last year when he went on that. I don't remember how many games he was scratched for in, in a row, but it was, I think it was 10 or 11. Too many. It, way too many, in, in my opinion. It, it, it just, they were... They looked very listless in so many games that they were needing to fight for their lives in. And I just wondered to myself, we know what Jacob Pelche brings to the lineup. We know that he provides a boost of energy that doesn't matter if guys are 10 years older than him or not. It rubs off on the team. Like, this is a guy that you could absolutely have so that you could avoid some of those dismal starts and some of those listless periods. And so and it's, I think that's a significant subtraction to their opening day roster. I would agree, but, and I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, I think the Flames needed that more last season than they're going to this season. There was just such a dark cloud over the team last season. I don't see that this season. I don't see or feel the same heaviness that I did last season. 
So I think they really needed a guy like Jacob Pelche last season to, to bring that energy. But as much as they'd love to have him bring that energy this season, I'm not sure they're going to need it as much. So we'll have to wait and see what happens here. Hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. You know he's going to do everything in his power to, to get back sooner rather than later. And guys, I suspect it's probably going to be a number of players who are asked to, to fill his shoes. I'm thinking about something that Ryan Huska said. I can't remember if it was earlier this week or maybe late last week. A lot's happened this week, and everything just kind of feels like a blur at this point in time. But, you know, he talked about uh, young players having to to keep up a certain standard. And, and those are my words, not his, but I'm paraphrasing. Basically, hey, we're going to give young guys a chance. And if their play falls off, then another young guy is going to get a chance. So... I think it's probably going to be more than just one guy who uh, tries to fill Jacob Pelche's shoes or skates. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But the good news is I do think that based on the way the training camp and the preseason has started and the pedigree of some of these players, Flames uh, have the depth to fill that spot for the short term. I just want to maybe highlight one other door that has been opened, and obviously everyone would prefer that Jacob Pelche was just healthy and could fill the spot himself, but... We always talk towards the end of training camp and the process actually just started today about guys that teams are trying to slide through waivers to send down to their farm club. Uh, you know, especially in the case of a, a, maybe a team that might have a stacked roster, you know, who are they trying to get through waivers down to the minors that they'd rather not lose? The Flames haven't because of the way they've constructed their roster in recent years really been in position to kind of take advantage of that to be the team that maybe plucks a fascinating guy off the waiver wire but that's another option and it it probably should just add a little bit of pressure to some of those candidates right if you're Dryden Hunt or Kevin Rooney or Ben Jones or Connor Zary or Adam Klapka you know you're not only competing with the other guys on that list but you're really competing to say, hey, you don't need to go get another guy. I can do this job. Yep. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg. Don't have to spend as much time on this, but I think it's I think it's a valid topic. So spotted at Winsport Thursday morning during practice in both Group 1, which was kind of the main group, and Group 2, which is more of the bubble group right now. Um, both did extensive three-on-three work. Uh, they, I want to say, 15 minutes in each practice, did a good three-on-three drill, different units, and just playing three-on-three and going through it. Stoppages, just like, hey, next time don't do this three-on-three-on-three, but an extensive three-on-three practice this morning, which is not something that we saw any of last year. We know the struggles the Flames had in overtime last year. Just uh Open the door for me to ask this question. Like, guys, why did we think overtime was such an issue for them last year? Well, I think the easy answer is because they didn't practice it. I mean, it blew my mind that they didn't practice it. I still, to this day, don't understand why they didn't practice it. They had 17 overtime and shootout losses last season. Even if that number's 14, they make the playoffs. I mean mind-boggling quite frankly and I had to ask around because we're not on the road anymore I said well I haven't seen them practice three on three at home but maybe maybe they've practiced on the road so I asked the people who were traveling with the team last year hey have the Flames practiced three on three on the road and the answer I got was no so 
I mean, if, if you're not good at something, chances are you want to work on it and, and practice it. And they just didn't for whatever reason last season. So, uh, yeah, very refreshing to, to hear that they did uh, today because there are going to be games like the last two games the Flames have played that go to overtime or a shootout. And they did, uh, in their defense, practice shootouts quite a bit last season. And they just weren't very good in them. So uh, great to hear that they practice three-on-three. Three. Uh, I do think that... Uh, there is a lot of strategy involved, probably more so now than ever before. It used to just be run and gun, trade chances, and whoever scored first won. Now it's more a game of keep away. It's all about puck possession, uh, although it didn't look like that at uh, Canada Life Center in Winnipeg last night. It kind of reverted back to what we saw when 3-on-3 three three first came aboard. But uh, it's all about puck position and strategy, uh, changing at the right time. So uh, glad to see they're putting the work in on that because uh, who knows? in a tough Pacific division, their record in overtime and in shootouts this season could make or break their playoff chances, guys. Of those 17 losses, those 17 loser points that we always talk about last season, 12 of those were in overtime. 12 12 games, the Flames couldn't get it to the shootout and lost in three-on-three. And certainly the fact that they're practicing it today with all the strategy that goes into it is a good sign. One of the reasons I think they struggled so much in overtime and something they're still going to have to be wary of, I think, this year and and not to be the porcupine at the balloon party, as Bob Hartley would put it. Oh, Wes. In overtime, guys with that sort of game-breaking speed become such an asset. And the Flames don't have a ton of burners. I know they're trying to play with more pace and and I think based on what we've seen in the preseason so far they're they're already accomplishing it but it's really tough with only three guys on the ice to combat that blazing speed and that's probably where the strategy is going to come in for the Flames because they they don't have a ton of that really you know they they just don't have a bunch of those guys with blazing speed and in overtime, you'd really like to have a couple more of them. And just to add on to that, which I think is a really good point and goes back to what you said right at the very offset, Derek, and about them not practicing it and how important I think that's going to continue to be, is that on top of the the lack of that blazing speed, you know, I think a guy like Sharon Govich could add to that. He's He plays with some good pace and and maybe some others, but they don't, at least last year, they didn't have a true game breaker, right? They didn't have a guy that when the puck's on their stick, it makes the opposition say, holy crap, that guy's got the puck, watch out. And 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 one team has McDavid. I get that. But there are other players in this league, a Jack Hughes, a Nathan McKinnon, uh, an Austin Matthews, numerous others. That you're, same thing. You're like, That's a game breaker. The Flames with, with Johnny gone and Matthew gone didn't have that last year. And I just wonder specifically if Jonathan Huberdeau can be a little bit more of a game breaker, especially with that type of open ice and that type of room out there. We know that he struggled in overtime. There was a couple instances where, you know, him deciding not to shoot or passing in inopportune times hurt the team. So I just wonder if, if maybe a little bit more of a comfortable Jonathan Huberdeau helps a little bit in this conversation as well. Yeah, and I wonder if you can maybe eliminate some of those mistakes if you practice it, right? I mean, I I remember on a couple of occasions, Jonathan Huberto would uh, play the puck 
south instead of north, right? And and there would be one guy back or nobody back, and, and that led to a high danger chance. And I think on a couple of occasions, goals against last year. So uh, I do wonder if you, you practice that, you can correct those mistakes in practice instead of making them in games. And you know, I also would love to see Oliver Shillington back. Uh, you talk about how important uh, having those burners out there on the ice are uh, is in overtime, and he's uh, as fast a guy as the Flames have. So uh, hopefully they get him back sooner rather than later. But uh, you know, practicing it today was a really good start. And I think in practice you maybe learn who's good at 3-3 three and three and who's not so good at 3-3, three and three. And, and you can uh, use the guys who are good and not the ones who aren't so good in games. Just throw this out there so people can let their imaginations run wild. But Jonathan Huberto today, his forward partner in three on three was the Calgary Flames, you know, biggest burner in Dylan Dubé. And that uh, that is an intriguing combination when you get on that, you know, when you, when you get into overtime, when, when you suddenly don't have a ton of guys out on the ice. I, I'm curious to see what that looks like. Good stuff, Will. Yeah, I, oh, I would build units. I would build three-on-three units around Michael Backlund and Elias Lindholm. Two guys who can put the puck in the net and have on a regular basis in three-on-three, but also two guys who are very defensively reliable and aware. And you, you put probably one forward and one defenseman with those guys, and I think that's a good start. Uh, and good. Kadri, not, yeah, yep. sorry. <laughs> yep. Just to throw him in there, too. Yeah. Good stuff, Wilsey. Talk to you on uh, Friday, hey? Okay, guys. Have a good night. Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg. That's your Daily Flames roundtable. We have a little bit of Flames news to wrap up the hour. Good timing uh, as the Flames have trimmed their camp roster down to 48 players. Uh, They have uh, sent the following seven players to the American Hockey League. Uh, Mark Duarte, Alex Gallant, Rory Karens, Mitch McLean, Ilya Nikolaev, and the pair of goaltenders, Connor Murphy and Matt Radomski. So, Flames have gone from uh, 55 to 48 on their camp roster now. We see any of those guys in exhibition? Uh, Connor Murphy backed up in In Seattle. Seattle. And did Alex Gallant play that night? I can't remember. We saw the roster a couple different times. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no surprises. Uh, those players have all been assigned to the AHL Wranglers as we start to wrap up this hour here on Flames Talk. Thanks to Derek Wills on the Daily Flames Roundtable. Uh, once again, all the good vibes to the Snow family as we wrap up this hour. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson for Taylor and Cam, our producers. This has been the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.